The winner is. 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 And the winner is. What's the like of seeing your luggage? Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Hello, divas, divos, and divs, and welcome to the penultimate episode of season three of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film, TV, and in music. I am your host, Steffi, and before we get into our final part of our Carol mega series we got to do some housekeeping so if you're interested in following us on social media we're at diva dailies pod on twitter slash x instagram tiktok and threads and you can always email us at diva dailies pod at gmail.com angie is not with me to do the intro but she is in the bulk of the episode so don't worry but if you are interested in following each of our personal socials, you can find that in the episode description. What is there to say about this episode that you're about to listen to? In this episode, we basically cover all of the other segments that we didn't get to in part two. Um, we wrap up our Spill the Technicolor Tea conversation by talking about uh, Carol's Oscar race. We do also get into uh, Harvey Weinstein. Um, so if you are sensitive to topics that involve um, sexual assault and uh, a mention of rape, I would skip around the 15 to 23-ish minute mark of this episode. What else do we get into? Oh, we talk all about the marketing of Carol as well. We talk about the trailers and the posters. And then we also get into the memes and um, Carol's press run. If you are a big Kate uh, Blanchett and Rooney Mara fan, um, I think you'll really like this part as well because we do talk a bit about, you know, their their chemistry during the, the promotion of the movie. So yeah, we, we get into so much in this episode. That's why it's like really long again. But um, I hope you enjoy this episode. This is our final like thing that we're talking about. And then next week, we're wrapping up season three. And then we're going to be taking a couple of weeks off before we come back for season four. But um, I hope you guys really enjoyed our, our Carol conversation. Um, I hope you got a lot out of it, especially if you are a Carol fan like me. Uh, but Let's just get into the episode. Enjoy. Do you Should we have, keep going? No, I have, have more. We're going to keep going. <laughs> Go, keep going. Keep going. Welcome to the Justice for Carol 2015 <laughs> segment of the notes. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so now we're really talking about like the run of Carol in 2015. So, um, mm, okay. It started off a bit rocky <laughs> because Kate Blanchett did an interview with Variety that caused quite an uproar on the internet regarding her sexuality. So I'm just going to read the excerpt from this article. Okay. The article is called Kate Blanchett Opens the Closet Door with Lesbian Romance Carol. The excerpt is, When asked if this is her first turn as a lesbian, Blanchett curls her lips into a smile. Quote, On film or in real life? She asks coyly. Pressed for details about whether she's had past relationships with women, she responds, Yes, many times, but doesn't elaborate. 
Like Carol, who never comes out as a lesbian, Blanchett doesn't necessarily rely on labels for sexual orientation. I never thought about it, she says, of how she envisioned the character. I don't think Carol thought about it. The actress studied the era by picking up banned erotic novels. I read a lot of girl-on-girl books from the period, she says. So then when this interview came out, so many publications picked up on it. And suddenly the narrative is, Kate Blanchett says she's had many relationships with women. Kate Blanchett opens up about her prior same-sex relationships. The two-time Oscar winner admitted in a new interview with Variety that she's engaged in romantic encounters with women, quote, many times. The topic of sexuality came up when discussing her role in the upcoming film, Carol. And throughout the entire press run of Carol, beginning at Cannes and onward, she is constantly asked about this interview that she did. I have a nice, I have to like to ask to Mrs. Blanchett. I would like to ask, you declare to Variety you loved women many times in your private life. I would like to ask you, these loves were openly loved and how much inspired you personally to build the wonderful character of Carol? Question for Kate. When you were promoting the film earlier this year, there was an interview that got taken out of context and you had people speculating about your own uh, sexuality. How did that feel? Are you still having to correct people? And were you worried about rejecting the idea kind of too strongly, given the film? Journalists love commenting on journalists. <laughs> and the internet blew up. Because did it blow up? Nearly, apparently. Um, you'd said that you'd been in a female, female relationships and that was interpreted as a same-sex relationship. Heaven forfend. You've had experience before with another woman. My character. Your character. Well, no, I'm not going to get That's you back big, into that. <laughs> you already got in Who trouble. Who cares? Somebody trouble. said that. I mean, what, 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 what did you say that to Variety? It was like, I, uh, can't, I can't remember. Uh, it was something where uh, they said Kate Blanchett admits obviously does not she's, translate. she's had relationships with lots of women. I remember God that. forbid. That was it. But basically, it ends with that the quote was taken more literally than she had intended. Right, right, right. I just thought it was really silly. I mean, I was asked by a journalist, you know, I couldn't possibly have played um, someone with feelings towards a woman unless I'd had those feelings myself. It's, no one asked me when I played Mary Mapes, a journalist, how many years I'd you know, actually worked for you know, any newspaper had I gone to journalism school. No one asks you those questions. Um, but yet when you play someone who's, um, whose sexual persuasion you know, is front and centre, you have to have lived and breathed that. So I think I was just pointing to the ridiculousness of the question, which the, the journalist actually got the irony, but then obviously the internet doesn't. Do you remember, remember this? Because remember you this. were like just <laughs> experiencing all of this in real time. So yeah. I, I definitely remember this as, as you were reading. I was like, mm hmm. Yep, definitely. I think the way that she took on this role, it was a fair way to take on the take on the role because I don't think at any point Carol was like yo I'm a lesbian this is the language for it right this is what I am yeah for all we know she could be bisexual pansexual yeah totally totally but just likes in terms of like long-term relationships feels more comfortable with women mm -hmm. right right in a male-dominated space right that could be her dynamic we don't know um so I think what Kate Blanchett said was fair yeah. She researched her role. Mm -hmm. Get it, girl. Yeah. Do you? And I think people just, when she did that interview, they just like jumped on the quote. 
Yeah. I mean, but also too, like, if there's a potential that this big actress is possibly... Yeah, I think, honestly, people were just excited at the potential that Kate yeah. Blanchett was a lesbian. Like, like, let's just say it. They were like, yes! yeah! So... <laughs> She's one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it really is of no relevance what my, um, you know, sexual persuasion is. You know, it, it shouldn't be. Okay, the next is Quentin Tarantino dissed Kate Blanchett films during, like, this year. So he did an interview with Vulture because it was in the lead up to The Hateful Eight, okay. which is also distributed by the Weinstein Company, which we'll get into in a little bit. Mm. This is the excerpt from the article. Okay. The interviewer says, and in fairness to blockbusters, nothing stinks worse than bad Oscar bait. Then Quentin Tarantino answers, the movies that used to be treated as independent movies, like the Sundance movies of the 90s, those are the movies that are up for Oscars now. Stuff like The Kids Are All Right and The Fighter. They're the mid-budget movies now. They just have bigger stars and bigger budgets. They're good, but I don't know if they have the staying power that some of the movies of the 90s and the 70s did. I don't know if we're going to be talking about The Town or The Kids Are All Right or An Education 20 or 30 years from now. Notes on a Scandal is another one. Philomena, half of these Kate Blanchett movies, they're all just like these arty things. I'm not saying they're bad movies, but I don't think most of them have a shelf life. But The Fighter or American Hustle, those will be watched in 30 years. The Fighter. <laughs> yeah, so the what's fighter. your answer to that, Angie? Um, are, are we going to be talking about The Fighter in 20? I'm sure we will. Um, I could see an argument talking about The Fighter, but not fucking American Hustle. My God. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I honestly feel like we could be talking about any of these these films in 20, 30 years. It depends on what the context, right? Because if we're talking in 20, 30 years, if we're like, okay, queer films of the 2010s, yes, we will be talking about these films, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think to dismiss Kate Blanchett like that. Um, I know, it's a singling out of Kate Blanchett that like really annoys me, but I'll right. let you continue your answer. <laughs> I think there is this... Um, there's this stigma with like art house films mm. that ended up happening because of the Oscars, right? Yeah. Where Oscar season rolls around mm -hmm. and it is like some of the most obscure art house films that you could possibly think of get nominated and stuff that we haven't heard about. And the films that we are actually seeing are not getting nominated, especially with those films having leads who are, folks of color black folks you know what i'm saying yeah and those getting dismissed i think there has been an animosity growing towards these like art house films with majority white cast kate blanchett is usually in those kind of movies mm -hmm. you know that said there's a lot of good art house films there's a lot of big budget films that are phenomenal as well and the oscars need to stop throwing their nose up at these big budget films like Marvel, you know what I'm saying? Right. I I'm still side eyeing the Oscars for not giving an Oscar to possibly Angela Bassett. Yeah. For, you know, Black Panther. But I said all of that, but at the end of the day, who cares about fucking Quentin Tarantino and what the hell he got to say? Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, yes. And as shady as that man is, he's got classics because Pulp Fiction will go down as a classic. Kill Bill will go down as a classic. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Who the fuck cares about Quentin Tarantino and what he got to say? 
because Kate Blanchett, we will be talking about Kate Blanchett in 20, 30 years. Absolutely. Yeah. That will be a thing. We will be talking about Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Period. Well, my thoughts on that, I'm not even taking issue with the fact that he is trying to parse out mid-budget versus big-budget versus independent. I, I don't care. What I think what's interesting is the fact that most of the movies he cited, specifically thinking about the kids are all right in education and notes on a scandal, are stories that center women and women's experiences. Mmm. Mmm. You better talk your talk. Look at you. You piss. You piss. <laughs> well, I just think because like it speaks to how male-centric the movie industry is. Mm. Like, God forbid you as a man watch a movie that doesn't center your experience. Because the rest of us who aren't straight, who aren't white, who aren't male, we have to do that all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Facts. Okay. Talk your shit. That's all I'm Talk saying. Your shit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like triggered slightly in a little way because I was in school like during this period of time. Okay. Because I was a double major. So when I was in my psychology classes, that was mostly women right in those classes but when i was in like my film school classes it was mostly men okay Mm. i remember the first student film set i worked on i was the only girl on that set in the industry it's it's like that i was the only girl in 2015 (laughs) as a student in college i was literally the only girl on the student film set and that's when i was like oh my god yeah wow and i was also just thinking about like some of the lectures that you have to attend yeah like you know, they go around and they ask mostly male classroom, asking them to like name their favorite movies and shows and what is considered great. And they're going to name all of these like movies and shows that are very much geared toward the straight white male yeah, experience. Absolutely. So then like, you know, I know that great. Those are fine that those kinds of movies exist, but there's other experiences absolutely that are also valid and deserve to be shown on screen and that are also like really good right that's why like historically if you looked at like the year end best movies right a lot of them were about men yes they're yes, centering yes. men it's predominantly men and why is that also because like the critics are all men right it's like a circle yeah yeah and <laughs> Yeah. It's very hard to break. So like reading this interview, it just like made me really upset because mm. I remember like feeling when I was in school being like, I know that there's shows and movies out there being yeah. made centering women and like right, other right. marginalized communities. But like, why are we not really? How come I feel like no one else in this room is watching them? Right, right. And thinks that they're good, you know? Mm. I don't mean to like stand on a pedestal here, but no, like that's no. why like for me, like this podcast is really important because like, yeah, I've been in those rooms where like you're made to feel like it's not important. Right, right, right. And it's not good. I also, the way that I took it, he has such a small view of the film industry as a whole, right? Because largely for white men are they going to be talking about the best man in 20 30 years no absolutely not right so like when i think of just the films that i grew up on yeah those are going to be different than probably the films that he's talking about anyways totally yeah it's very subjective you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so that's why for me it was just easy to dismiss him Mm -hmm. because i'm just like oh he's talking about very specific films yeah in and of itself but you you definitely have a point. Um, the music industry is the same way. I had the same experiences while I was at music school. Right. Where I was the only female sound engineer. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because I was, I was in class when 
the Chris Brown Rihanna oh, okay. situation happened. Yeah. And I remember going to class the day after and to hear the men be like, Rihanna deserved that. Yeah. It was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? And then they're like, all right, cool. Let's do this producing thing. And I'm like, oh, my Lanta. Mm-hmm. Um, nah, but no, like I said, talk your shit. Yeah. Uh, you made really good points. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino is like one of the leading directors. So like mm-hmm. if you have someone like of his stature at the time co-signing, yeah, well, these movies, he's not right. directly saying like women-centric movies aren't good, but like that's the subtext of your statement. Right. If those right, are the right. movies that you're citing. Yeah. That they're not, you know, they're, they're, no one's going to talk about them. That's going to affect and shape the way certain people view what is deemed as good or what is deemed as important. Yeah. Well, then Kate was asked because she did a Vulture interview later that year, too. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the excerpt from that interview. They asked, then how did you feel when Quentin Tarantino bashed notes on a scandal and said, half of these Kate Blanchett movies, they're all just like these arty things. I'm not saying they're bad movies, but I don't think most of them have a shelf life. Then Kate just kept it classy and said, well, he's entitled to his opinion. And then the interviewer was like, not when he's wrong about notes on a scandal. (laughs) And then Kate said, it's like horses for courses. Not everyone's going to like what you do. And that's facts. Was it Louis, Louis, Louis Maul? This is so Kate Blanchard. She'll like reference someone that you've never heard of. But was it Louis Maul who said it takes as much effort to make a bad film as it does to make a good film? That's just his opinion, I guess. Period. Kate, don't work with Tarantino. That's the main takeaway from this. That would never happen. Don't do it, girl. Yeah. Don't do it. Well, should we talk about the Weinstein Company? (laughs) I knew that was coming. Okay, well, um, when you start watching Carol, there's a very awkward logo that appears right before the movie starts. And it's the Weinstein Mm -hmm. Company logo because Carol was produced or was distributed by the Weinstein Company. During this award season, the Weinstein Company had two films in the race. It was Carol and it was The Hateful Eight, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear during Oscar season that the Weinstein Company had a favorite child, and that favorite child was The mm-hmm. Hateful Eight. I actually remember months before Hateful Eight came out, I was at Comic-Con that year, and they had Hateful Eight merch at Comic-Con. Already? Yeah, and they even did like a Comic-Con panel. Wow. At Comic-Con? Yeah, at Comic-Con. Mm. But yeah, you know, it was an open secret in Hollywood for the longest time that Harvey Weinstein is a horrible person, like real life predator, awful human being. And it wasn't until 2017 that that New York Times article that exposed Harvey Weinstein came out. So it's about two-ish years after Carol. Yeah. And then he comes back out and he's fully naked. And he just kept asking me to watch him masturbate. I said no a million times. My heart was racing and I was very scared. The wall of silence surrounding Harvey Weinstein officially collapsing. Today, new accusations of sexual assault, including rape. Even Hollywood A-listers Angelina Jolie and Gwyneth Paltrow raising their voices, adding to the avalanche of accusations. On a certain point, you know, you have a enough witnesses that it becomes very difficult to deny. But in 2018, when Kate Blanchett was the juror president at the Cannes Film Festival, she did an interview with Variety where she said she was sexually harassed by Harvey Weinstein. This is an excerpt from the interview. They said, you worked on a number of movies with Harvey Weinstein going back to the talented Mr. Ripley. Did he ever sexually harass you or act inappropriately? She answered, with me, yes. 
I think he primarily preyed, like most predators, on the vulnerable. I mean, I got a bad feeling from him. He would often say to me, we're not friends. And then the interviewer is like, what did he mean by that? And then she says, well, I wouldn't do what he was asking me to do. When asked to clarify, Blanchett declined to specify. Then they ask her, do you think Harvey could go to jail? And then she says, well, I hope so. Period. I didn't know that she was sexually harassed by Harvey Weinstein. Like, I mean, like, that doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know that prior. Also, in an interview with Variety, she said that she didn't like that he was brought on board for Carol. She says he was brought on as the producer on many films that I had absolutely no say on. I didn't have a creative or functional relationship with him, but she really didn't understand why he was brought on, or Carol especially. It was a lovely movie. I was talking to one of the producers at one time, and he said that Harvey just didn't promote the film. I mean, did you feel that? Did you feel like it didn't get its due in the marketplace because it wasn't given the right push? I was disappointed when he was brought on as a producer. I couldn't quite work out why. Um, and I said that at the time, you know, I didn't feel he understood or particularly supported Todd's previous film, I'm Not There. But whether it was his involvement, you know, I think they'd already begun to be a bit of a stink around him. And I think that the association of him probably didn't help the film any. And then one of the producers of Carol, her name is Elizabeth Carlson. She also said, like following Kate Blanchett's interview, she also said that she did not like Harvey Weinstein's involvement either. She wanted to clarify and say he did not creatively contribute to the film. She says, quote, this is a frequent and frustrating misrepresentation of Harvey Weinstein and his role. He was a distributor who stole the producing credit as well as the financial rewards from the actual producers who sourced, developed, filmed, and fully created the work as we did with Carol. Weinstein was not a producer on the film. Neither he nor the Weinstein company were involved in the development of the film, nor had any script, editorial, casting, or other type of creative involvement in the film whatsoever. They, the Weinstein company, acted solely as distributors. Had we had an offer equal to or greater than the Weinstein company offer for U.S. distribution rights, we would have taken it, but we didn't. This is the like the unfortunate side about the the industry is like sometimes you're forced in the corner and you have to work with the devil yeah. to get this like passion project out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. This next fact I really like I fucking hate. Mm. But there are alleged concerns from people that worked on Carol that Harvey Weinstein kept unused footage of the sex scene for his own personal collection. Uh, but a source close to Harvey Weinstein refuted this and said there never was extra footage and the suggestion isn't true and Mr. Weinstein does not have any footage at all. But I just fucking hate that. <laughs> it's kind of meta to what happens in Carol. Yeah. Gee, like talking about Weinstein is just, it's the ick. Mm-hmm. He is the ick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I could totally, totally believe that he did some shit like that. Oh, God. Because compared hate to it. the I other things so that I hated so much, people were saying that he did. Like this, yeah. I mean, it, it, it checks that that could be a thing. So, mm-hmm. oh, God. Fucking hell. Yeah. Well, let's get into the Oscars. The Oscars. So Oops. much controversy. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about category fraud. Angie, are you familiar with the concept of category fraud? No. School me. Okay, so category fraud is basically, I mean, this usually happens in the acting categories, but it's this idea of when you submit a lead performance in the supporting category, even though it really should be lead. Oh, 
they they do that all the time yeah it's award season strategy uh, yeah 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 because essentially you're trying to avoid your actresses your actors that are in the same movie competing from competing in the same category yeah. because you don't want vote splitting to happen yeah and it's just like more chances for the film to be nominated or win more oscars right so this is what happened with carol they submitted rooney mara in supporting instead of lead and this is allegedly attributed to Harvey Weinstein Oscar strategy. Mm-hmm. The story goes that Rooney Mara was not happy that she got submitted as supporting instead of lead. Mm. And she gave an interview with the New York Times where she said they would have been run as leads if they were the opposite sex. Yeah. Facts. Interesting note, too, is that historically in the Oscars, the last time two female performances were submitted in the lead category was Thelma and Louise in 1991. And that hasn't happened since. From the same movie. For the same movie. Yeah. Since Thelma and Louise. That's crazy. Yeah. But I, I, I understand, like, why it bothered people, because I guess statistically Rooney Mara actually has more screen time than Kate Blanchett and Carol. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the Golden Globes, they were both nominated in lead. At the Indie Spirit Awards, they were both nominated in lead. And then Rooney Mara actually won Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm. But, I mean, where do you fall? Do you think they should have been submitted both as a lead? Maybe Kate as supporting and Rooney as a lead? Where do you fall into this controversy? That's a hard one for me. I feel like... Both could have been seen as leads Mm -hmm. and both could have been seen as supporting Mm. depending on who you think did better as lead. Mm. Right. Cause I feel like sometimes even though Therese had more screen time, it felt like Kate Blanchett was the lead. Mm. Um, Now is that because she's Kate Blanchett and the movie is called Carol? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, um, Oh, I feel like at times Therese's character was very passive. Oh, okay. So it felt like a supporting actress. Mm. See, you know, even within the non-Kate Blanchett parts. Right. 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 When she's like talking to her boyfriend and she's talking to that dude that was doing the movie. Yeah. 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 That yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, Therese felt more like a supporting mm. character because she was just observing. But do you think that's maybe because maybe we feel like because it's the quieter performance, therefore we associate that as being a supporting versus something that's a bit bigger? I can see that. Yeah. Like I said, if people were like, well, no, we're going to put her in best actress, not supporting. She's not a supporting actress. Yeah. I I would understand why. I would also understand why they put her right in supporting too. Yeah. I think it's harder to put Kate Blanchett. That's what I'm saying. As supporting. Yes. I completely agree with you. Because it's like what you said. It's 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 the opposite of quiet. Yeah. Like she comes in and it's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So I think if they had to split it, if they were going to split it, it would be harder to justify Kate Blanchett as supporting versus Rooney Mara. Oh my god. If Kate would have been submitted as supporting, she would have fucking won. Facts. She would have won. Facts. I think she would have won. Um yeah, I just like realistically, like I get why people are angry, but I don't see just like if I hypothetically had not even watched Carol, if I just saw like the movie poster Carol and I know Kate Blanchett is playing Carol. Yeah. And then I suddenly learn she's supporting, like You don't do that to Kate Blanchett. Like, in what world are we casting Kate Blanchett 
and we're going to submit her as a supporting, even if that may right. contextually work within the movie. And plus, like, Kate Blanchett has more, she has more cachet than Rooney Mara. So Absolutely. essentially what they did was they just deferred to her. Yeah. Because a lot of people gave Rooney Mara shit for that. Like, they gave Carol Ooh, a lot of really? shit. Yeah, for category fraud. Hmm. But I think Kate Blanchett probably would have been more criticized if they submitted her for supporting instead. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Because... Walking away from Carol, like I said earlier, Rooney Morrow did fantastic as Therese. Yeah. But walking away from Carol, you don't have Carol without Kate Blanchett. Yeah, you don't. You could still have a Carol without Rooney Mara, mm-hmm. even though she was fantastic. Yeah. Kate Blanchett, she is, was Carol. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. She was the essence of that film. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. Who is the essence of the film when we're talking about Therese versus Carol. Mm. And I think it's Carol. I I think you can make an argument for either or. <laughs> I, 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 yes, you absolutely can. But in this situation, if we had to pick. Yeah. Carol is the essence of the film. I hesitate to firmly agree because I feel like it's just me being like a huge Kate Blanchett fan and being like, yeah, duh, she's like the center of the universe. Hello. Um, <laughs> well, I'm but... going to say it as... A non-huge stand yes. of Kate Blanchett walking away from Carol. When I first saw Carol, yeah, of it course. was like, damn, Kate Blanchett, she did the thing. Yeah. Angela Bassett did the thing and Kate Blanchett, <laughs> Kate did, Blanchett the did the thing. Kate Blanchett did the thing. I mean, ideally, they both would have been nominated as lead. Like, I think mm. Carol breaking that long, dry run of no double lead would have been cool like a follow-up to Thelma and Louise would have been Carol like this movie definitely deserved that two queer centric like queer coded films yeah totally Uh, totally Thelma and Louise very much queer coded totally totally that would have been a nice link from the past to at that time the present yeah and then you know maybe Sarah Paulson as supporting because Sarah Paulson's so good in Carol yes I, I I vote for that yeah I would have voted for that, yeah. Yeah. You know, Hart, you have a point. You've spent 10 years making damn sure her only point of reference is you. Your job, your friends, your family. Where is she? God damn it! She's still my wife, Abby. She's my responsibility. You know, that's some way of showing it, slapping her with an injunction. I'm closing the door. Well, um, continuing with the Oscars, this was a very controversial Oscar season because this is the season known as Oscar So White. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just saying, the seven-person lineup for last night's A-list Republican presidential candidates debate was more diverse than the Academy Awards 20 acting nominations, none of which went to a person of color for the second year in a row. Notably snubbed was um, Idris Elba for Beasts of No Nation. He had gotten in for a lot of the precursors and then he didn't show up at the Oscars. Um, Straight Outta Compton was like one of the biggest movies that year. And uh, the only nomination that they received went to Best Adapted Screenplay and the writers were White. white. So... Reaction was swift and searing. It's actually worse than last year, tweeted April Rain, creator of the viral hashtag Oscars So White, now making a repeat appearance. Reverend Al Sharpton calling Hollywood fraudulent. I think this is both a Hollywood problem and 
an Oscars problem. Academy President Cheryl Boone Isaacs has sought to make Oscars ranks more diverse. We are being louder and louder, and we're going to continue this conversation, and we're going to do more than just talk. We are going to be doing. That was Oscars so white season, but there were also people saying, like, Oscars so straight. You know, on top of that, I, I read this piece in the New York Times yesterday where they were talking about it, and they were also talking about Carol. And they were saying there should also be a hashtag Oscars so straight. Um. <laughs> because Carol was the biggest snub yeah. of that Oscar season. So our Best Picture nominees are Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, Room, Spotlight, The Big Short, The Martian, and The Revenant. Anything surprising in there? Carol got screwed. God damn it. I love Carol so much. I read so many freaking articles. So many think pieces about why did Carol get snubbed for Best Picture and why did Todd Haynes get snubbed for Best Director? Justice for Carol 2015! <laughs> <laughs> but basically what I have here is that in the lead up to the Oscars, which we'll get more into and show me the receipts, it was doing pretty well awards wise. Mm -hmm. But then when it came to the Oscars, it fell short. Mm -hmm. Notably... Around this time is when they started opening up Best Picture category beyond five nominees. The first time they did that was in 2009. It was opened up from five to ten. And since then, the Best Picture category ranged from eight to ten nominees. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, there were eight movies that were nominated for Best Picture. They included Spotlight, The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Room. And... You know, like, there was room <laughs> to include Carol <laughs> in that crop <laughs> of Best Picture nominees. Like, you didn't even hit your maximum 10. Right, you only right. had eight. Yeah. So I just have here, like, some things that I wrote, like, you know, jotted in my notes that, like, in 2015, there was not a single gay theme movie that had ever been named Best Picture. It's interesting to note that the year after this Oscar season is when Moonlight would go on to win Best Picture. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. Which, you know, that's a movie featuring basically an all-black cast. Mm -hmm. It's a gay movie. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, the following Oscar season was a correction of this yeah. award season that was like Oscar so white, Oscar so straight. But potential reasons I have found as to why Carol got snubbed is one, gay. <laughs> one, gay. <laughs> one, gay. <laughs> I just want to read a quote here from Quartz, this Quartz article okay. that I found. Um, this person wrote, Todd Haynes elevated the power of women's gaze. In this regard, Carol flips convention. Men's roles are marginal and antagonistic, while women and their desires wield power. The film is about looking, looking as a woman at other women. The power of the film is allocated and harnessed by women, by their gaze and by their actions for each other. The Academy overlooking Carol suggests it does not value women as objects of desire. And, you know, how can a white, straight male academy of voters see themselves in this kind of story yeah quentin tarantino included right exactly <laughs> and also in 2014 too the la times ran a survey of who was in the academy so of the 6,028 academy voters in 2014 94 percent of them were white 
76% of them were men, and the average age of that voting body was 63 years old. Mm. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences hosts a little show every year called The Oscars. A group of mostly old, mostly white men vote on their favorite movies. In 2006, some of these men publicly commented that they could never vote for a movie like Brokeback Mountain because homosexuality was kind of gross, you guys. Another reason why Carol probably wasn't nominated for Best Picture is because this is a lesbian love story where the women weren't punished and historically... Thinking back on movies like Philadelphia and Boys Don't Cry, Brokeback Mountain, and Milk, they all ended in tragedy. Mm -hmm. I do think it's an interesting question and idea of like, in order for a movie centered on the experiences of like marginalized communities to be critically recognized, like does the suffering need to be present in order for it to be an awards contender? Like this just goes for so many different marginalized groups, be it like black experience or lgbtq plus experiences like Mm -hmm. do these marginalized groups need to suffer in order for the voting body to be like great you know i mean look at moonlight as phenomenal as that film is moonlight is one of my favorite movies but chiron went through it in that film the mom is a crackhead like bro he went through it through that film. He he went to jail, got out of jail. He wasn't intimate with anybody. When we look at other uh, films like um, 12 Years a Slave, oftentimes like Hidden Figures, The Help, like especially if you're a black film, Precious. Um, I feel like the only, especially like within black films that got nominated, one of the only films in the past that has gotten nominated that did have huge suffering was dream girls yeah i mean and there was suffering in the film of course but it wasn't like but i i don't think that got nominated for best picture that's right you're right mm. well well speaking of girls the third reason why <laughs> that this movie did not get um nominated for best picture probably is because it centers women yeah Also, I read some comparisons, like comparing Carol to the other Best Picture nominees. And that group of films, like a lot of them is like featuring men being tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you have like the the women in peril narrative. Yeah. Because like, you know, Room, that's like about like a woman's trauma. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Even like something like Mad Max. It's like women's anger at the violence that yeah, was acted yeah, yeah. upon them. Was that nominated for Best Picture? Yeah. Okay. I guess the exception to that would maybe be Brooklyn, but straight love story. Brooklyn, yes. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also just going back really quickly to the Best Supporting Actress race, Rooney Mara was the front runner for like the longest time, but her chances were hurt when Carol didn't get a Best Picture nominee. And if you historically look back at the past 25 years of Best Supporting Actress winners, like up until that point, most of them were playing opposite men. Mm. So since 1990, when Whoopi Goldberg won in Ghost, 19 of the Best Supporting Actress winners took home a trophy for supporting a male lead. Mm -hmm. And only six won for performances where their chief screen partner was a woman. So basically, if an actress's performance is in service of a man's story, it's more likely to be taken seriously, which was the case for Alicia Vikander when she won Best Supporting Actress for The Danish Girl. And that fell under this idea of like suffering wife sacrifices everything for her husband. Yeah. And the Oscar goes to... 
Alicia Vikander, the Danish girl. Thank you so much. The Danish girl was about the trans woman, right? Am I remember that correctly? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That falls under like transformative role for straight cis actor too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Exactly what happened last night. There was a moment when I wasn't me. There was a moment when I was just Lily. But Lily doesn't exist. We were playing a game. Something changed. And then the third reason I have here is that people thought it was like too academic. Some critics at the time felt like Carol was cold because the movie is not necessarily like loud. Mm -hmm. It's more of like a quiet and introspective movie. Yeah. But those were the three big reasons that I found. But Justice for Carol 2015, it really should have gotten in for Best Picture. You're right. The reasonings <laughs> that you just stated. Come on, fam. It was too quiet. That's too academic. Yeah. Because in that case, wait, I don't think If Bill Street Could Talk was nominated for Best Picture. But that was like another quote unquote academic kind of quiet film up until like the last moments. Yeah, I wasn't. Are you looking at that? Yeah, I wasn't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like to sum that all up, kind of like what we said at the very beginning, like how difficult it was for it to get made. Like the, the thesis I came up with is despite the film not being heavy handed about its identity politics, namely that it was a female centered love story between two women. Ironically, that ultimately was a large reason why it one struggled to get made two why its marketing and award season campaign was a bit clunky and three why it probably ended up not getting all the awards it should have gotten. Mm. Well, boom. And then I just have here, like, did you hear about Delta Airlines airing an edited version of Carol? No. Without the sex scenes? Yeah. So in like 2016, mm. I guess Delta Airlines had Carol as an in-flight movie selection, but they edited out the kissing and sex scenes. And so the Delta rep said that there were two versions of this film that the studio makes available, one that is edited and one that is not edited. The edited version removes two explicit scenes that do not meet our guidelines. The edited version also removes all kissing. All kissing. Yeah. That's crazy. So can you imagine watching Carol and like you don't see them get physical at all? I'd be like, what the fuck is this movie? I'm not going to front. I feel like the movie wouldn't make any sense without any of that. I saw Carol on a plane once. I was on Emirates, though. Oh, did they keep it? I can't remember now. Now I'm like, because I remember what I do remember. I was going to skip the scene anyways. Oh. But I think I fell asleep watching Carol and I woke back up mm. and then it was like past the scene. And I was like, ah, yeah, well, I think they saw boobies. Like, sorry about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't remember if it was on on that flight and I didn't go back. It was a 20, 20 hour flight to dubai mm. well i don't know if those people saw rooney mara's boobs then or saw kate blanchard going down to rooney mara we will never know so <laughs> if i get the delorean that's the the one yeah. time that's the uh, one time you would use it yes. to see if the carol sex scenes were <laughs> exactly. on your flight yes. <laughs> i mean i'll just quickly say like fun facts fun facts okay easy breezy fun facts 
Get it in. I just want to say, I love that Todd Haynes makes picture books for every movie he makes. Does he? There's a picture book for Carol? Well, so for every movie he makes, he creates these like image books that are filled with visual references, like films, photography, magazines. Sometimes he draws stuff too so that everyone can see what he's going for. And I believe he gives this to his cast and his um. and, like the key heads of every department. But both Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett talked about how helpful that was. I always get kind of obsessed with my my image books that I put together for for my films. And although those are really f- meant first as sort of um, communications to my directors of photography, and then the production designer and the costume designer and all the visual um, partners, they become really useful to the actors. And so those uh, visual references are, they inform them in ways you might not expect. They really give you a specific sense of place and history and, and even temperature. Like you can sort of feel how the clothes and the skin and the bodies uh, might respond to being in these specific settings. If you look at the book now, it looks exactly like the film. Um, and on top of that, just you know, having all of that, and then uh, you know, all these film references that he had me watch, and um, the costumes—you really knew sort of what world you were stepping onto bef- before you got there, which is, you know, really helpful because you you want to make sure that as actors that you're in the same movie, that you're in the same world. And he made that very easy for us. Todd has this great um, generosity of spirit. Like he invites you. There's no, um, you know, protecting his homework. He invites you into all of the the visual references, the perspective of the film. You know, uh, the color palette. The you know the not only a mood visual mood board, but you know like a a kind of an interior soundtrack. I feel like I don't know if you would like that. I would love that. I definitely nerd out with that type of stuff. Well, Angie doesn't like it when I send my Spice Girls links <laughs> to her. She gets very overwhelmed. <laughs> I think if it was in a book, I, it would be better. Okay. okay. Let's work on that. A book. They shot the movie in Cincinnati, Ohio. Interesting. Uh, it took 34 days to shoot. So this is quick because they don't have a lot of money. Yeah. I was like, that's not not long at all. Yeah. And, um, well, we already said this, but Rooney Mara's birthday, they shot the sex scene on her birthday. And the day Carol goes to meet Therese after they were separated, the date of their meeting is on Rooney Mara's actual birthday, which is April 17th. Kate Winslet was really trying to recreate Carol. (laughs) I know. I don't know what Kate, like, maybe she was like the entire time during that round table, she was like, just trying to ask Kate Blanchett questions about Carol and like okay so like what do you do so then I'm like I could do that too like it's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while okay so let's get into the next segment but we need people to buy the movie slash album so in this segment we talk about how the movie was promoted and we're gonna talk about the movie poster do we want to talk about the poster first yes let oh shit because I have the poster in my room, you guys. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you do. I do. Okay, so let's talk about this poster. I mean, the tagline. The t- Some people change your life forever. Thoughts on that tagline? Okay, which poster are you looking at? I'm looking at the one. The main? It's the one that's like basically the first time they lock eyes at each other. Let me let me look up. Hold on. Because I know there's there's several. There's several. But I'm, I'm thinking that this is the official one. Oh, you're looking at that one. Yeah. I was looking at a completely different one. 
Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. That's the one that I have in my room. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the tagline on that poster is some people change your life forever. Yeah. Thoughts on that tagline. I love that. For I don't. Oh. <laughs> you you wanted something more clever? No, I don't even know if it needs to be more clever, but I'm just like, okay. Like, I'm not particularly moved by that. Okay, it's just fair. fine to me. It feels very generic to any love story. It's, it is generic. Yes. Like, where was Phyllis? <laughs> where, where was Phyllis Naj? If there was um, no tagline on it and that was just a poster, would you take that as the poster? No, I think there needs to be a tagline, but I just think that tagline is very generic. See. Like, I get it. I feel like... Oh, you think it could survive without a tagline? Yes, because my favorite poster is the other one where it's like, it got Carol on top. Oh, right. And Therese on the bottom. Oh, it's like the green. Like the green. And it just says Carol. Well, when I see that poster, I'm like cheekbones. I But I, I prefer this one over the other one with the tagline. Oh, see, okay. I like the one where it's them in the store mm-hmm. because... It's one, the moment when they see each other across the room. Yeah. When their eyes lock for the first time and the poster for anyone listening, you know, Rooney and Kate Blanchett, they're like clear on the poster where everything else is blurred around them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I, I really like that poster because it's an important moment from the movie and the poster mm-hmm. alone is already telling us a story. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty good representation of like what the movie is. That's why I like it. That's fair. Yeah. But I get why you like that one too, because it's like face. It's it's just face. It's like, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> face card mm-hmm. never declined. Listen. Exactly. I think your favorite gives more of the essence of the film. Mm. And I think the one that I like, it shows off the glamour of the film. Right. Yeah, totally. Right? Like that one, it's like, these are the stars of our movie. Exactly. It's Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, and here's their fucking side profile. Yeah. And there's there's like that essence when you're watching Carol too. It's just like, ooh. Yeah. It feels glamorous within this like Yeah, totally. You know totally. Yeah. I, I feel like mine's gives more of like, ooh, cinematography. Yours is like this is the story, bitch. Yeah, it's story. This is what it's about. Yes. <laughs> totally, totally. Yes. Unpopular opinion, though. I don't like the font. The font. Let me go back. Hold on. The font is giving influencer font. Interesting. I don't like the font that they use in the movie. It looks exactly like the font that they use for Gone Girl. Mm. Like what What kind of font? Are you want more like a, a script? More like something a bit more like traditional. Traditional. Because it's like 1950s. Yeah, yeah. Like something that maybe was a bit more true to that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when I see that font, I'm like, oh, it, this was like the mid 2010s when people were yeah. making thumbnails on Canva and like <laughs> doing the. <laughs> it is a Canva. It's a Canva. It's a Canva font. font, and Carol deserves more than a Canva font. <laughs> okay, I, I see it now. Yeah. I definitely see it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I wouldn't have minded if this was, like, in Carol's handwriting. <gasps> oh, my God. That would have been so freaking good. Right? Oh, my God. Just just have Kate <gasps> Blanchett write out Carol, and then it's like, yeah, yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that would have been really cool. And that ties into like a plot point in the Mm -hmm. movie because Mm -hmm. she writes the letter. See? Oh, God. There you go. That was a good (laughs) idea. That was a good idea, Angie. We need to be on these teams, right? 
<sighs> man. Okay. Well, should we talk about the trailer? Oh, let's. Okay, so. Which trailer are we talking about? Okay, well, first, before we get to that, I want to talk about the teaser trailer. Listen. Because the teaser trailer is stunning. If that was just the trailer, it's stunning. I would. It's stunning. That's my favorite. Me too. Oh my God. Yes, me too. Okay, girl. That's yes, yes totally. Totally. The teaser trailer, it's <laughs> so swoony. Oh my god. Oh, it's gorgeous. I'm literally thinking about yeah. the teaser trailer right now. I'm like tearing up. I'm just like, oh my god, it's too much for me. It's too much. It's too much. So freaking good. Okay, so listeners, the teaser trailer, it's basically like a glorified fan cam of moments from the movie. Exactly. But they're using Margaret Weeding's Foolish Heart as like the song mm-hmm. to score the teaser trailer. And it's just like those images with that song. Yeah. Gorgeous emotional and the the only moments that they talk is to introduce the the character names yes i it, it was a brilliant teaser it's a brilliant teaser what's your name therese therese ballarat and yours carol the night is like a lovely tune beware foolish heart but should our eager lips combine then let the fire start like i said if this was the full trailer i would i would be happy and it's only a minute it's only a minute and it gives everything yeah it tells a story you feel so much oh god so I watched the teaser first. Yes. Because, uh, you know, you sent the clips. Yes. And so I watched the teaser first and then I went to the trailers and the trailers, no shade to the trailers. Oh, <gasps> You didn't like either of the trailers? It's not that I didn't like them, but compared to the teaser. Yeah. I was just like, I didn't need all this extra. Well, I get it. I, I get it, though. I get it, though. If they're going to market the movie and like, let's say the trailer plays in front of a screening of another movie, you need something a bit longer. But I feel like the teaser is perfect. If I'm sitting in the movie theater and this comes on, the teaser comes on screen while I'm waiting for another movie. Oh my gosh. I mean, the images are enough to sell you, but for other people, maybe they might need a narration from Kate Blanchett reading the letter. That's what I love about the official trailer is just Kate Blanchett's voice. Dearest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm about to I'm about to play it again. While you're listening to that, I still really like the official trailer even though I'm more teaser mm-hmm. than actual official trailer, but what I love about the trailer is one, the narration from Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. reading the fucking letter like my god her voice has me like so emotional i'm shaking (laughs) holy shit and then the song that they use in the trailer is also like very good it's a song called where we met and i guess that's from like Mm -hmm. a company called immediate music like it's a trailer music company Mm -hmm. but what i find really interesting is like it still kind of fits the sound of carol Uh, despite it not being carter burwell Yeah, yeah when i hear that that trailer music it feels like longing and searching mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh i feel like yes okay i see it dearest there are no accidents 
everything comes full circle. No explanation I offer will satisfy you. You seek resolutions because you're young. But you will understand this one day. How many times have you been in love? <laughs> you're always the most beautiful woman in the room. Therese Balavent. Carol. This is like the iconic trailer. Yeah for like a Oscar setup. Hmm. Like that's what it feels like. It's gorgeous, but it just feels like it's the setup for Oscar season. Yeah. Right. This is the trailer that you start airing when you're getting closer to release date. <laughs> exactly. You're like, yes, Carol. Yeah. yeah. You know, whereas the, I don't know, but maybe we, we enjoy it more having been on like the other side of like watching Carol. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what we should do? If it's films that we haven't seen before, we should watch the trailers first. Well, that's what I tried doing with Best Man Holiday, and it ended up not working out for me, so. <laughs> that's because you went down the dark rabbit hole. <laughs> well, let's talk about that awful second trailer that doesn't make any sense in the movie. Um, it was basically edited to make it look like Carol was a crime suspense thriller. Mm-hmm. The song that they used is a song called The Time to Run by Dexter Britton. What are your thoughts on this trailer? Um, I don't like this one. Me too. I hate it. At all. I hate it. I hate the score. Yeah, it doesn't fit. So much. It's like, do, 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 do. I'm like, uh. It's so oh. weird. Okay, honestly, when I watch this trailer, they both look like stalkers. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's giving stalkers. Then they're together. And then they're stalking each other again. Stalker. <laughs> yeah, like one of the first opening like shots in this trailer is when like Therese like turns around and then it's like it's mm. like she sensed there was a presence yeah. in the room and she looks scared. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this isn't Carol. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. If I saw this trailer first, I would not watch the movie. Oh, okay. Well, my follow up question was gonna be, would you have gone to see this movie based on the trailer? I would have gone to your team teaser trailer. You're like in. Yes. Me too. I'm in. I'm in like Flynn. I would still go first trailer. Me too. I would absolutely still go. I'd be like, ooh. Hearing Kate Blanchett say, dearest, I'm yes. like, pop, 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 Like that's me going to the theater. Like in the car, like that's me, like running to the the box office. Here we go. That that second trailer though. What the fuck is that? It's it's maddening, and no shade, but that Tarantino thought would come to my head this is just an artsy film oh uh, okay uh -uh. okay okay i'm not about to no 
Because, like, with the second trailer, it's giving, like, oh, this is going to be a super slow film. This looks like it's made for the Oscars. Yeah. Like... I just don't like it. We're saying this as people who had already seen the movie. And right, it's like, exactly. you know why they cut the, <laughs> yeah. the trailer in this way. Because they're mm-hmm. kind of like trying to appeal to an audience that may have not initially gone out to see Carol. Yeah, Maybe we're going to try and leverage this as some sort of like, ooh, it's a thriller, a suspense movie. But what I don't understand is like they went through the effort of making like a second trailer to maybe appeal to the people that aren't necessarily in it for the romance but like i think this trailer has more of them kissing than the official trailer literally i was about to say this is the gayest (laughs) trailer out of all of them yeah like why are you going through the effort of making a second trailer and then it shows the sex scene a little bit and then the other sex scene too when they're like on the bed making out like the first trailer did not have that scene i just don't understand what the thought was behind making the second trailer if we're going to include those scenes this is definitely the, the gayer trailer for sure. Yeah. I mean, let me not lie. Off the trailer, I would have been like, ooh, gay people. Let me go see the film. Right? You're just <laughs> but... going through my doc here. Because my next question for you is what made you go out and watch the movie? Gay people. Okay. <laughs> gay. <laughs> literally, oh my God. I need a, I should just screenshot what I have here. I literally have here in blue highlighted, what made you go out and watch the movie? And then I put underneath gay question mark (laughs) (laughs) quite literally so like i said um in the first episode like when new gay content comes out i'm there i want to see it especially in 2015 2015 before (laughs) (laughs) she just sent me the screenshot (laughs) oh shoot if there's any new gay content and it's like a big deal, yeah, I'm gonna go see it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, hands down, I'm about to go watch it. Ooh, new gay shit, especially with two women. Absolutely. I'm curious, like, where did you first hear about this movie? Was it through the trailers, or were you like reading some blogs that are like about queer cinema? Like, where did you first hear about this movie? So, uh, first of all. Today was the first time I saw the trailers. I didn't watch the trailers. Oh, yeah. okay. So um, so I was following what used to be a huge website called Autostraddle. It was for gay content. Oh, yes. All right. Yes. I read some articles from them. Yes. It's not that big anymore. Oh, okay. People done bought their company and stuff like that. It's kind of whack right now. But Autostraddle used to be one of like the number one like queer content mm. specifically for women okay okay and so autostraddle was like hyping this shit up like uh, a new game movie coming out like oh you guys need to go go watch it and it was just like the hype right uh at that time and so i was just like oh okay because i didn't even know really who kate blanchett was like that yeah at the time that i went to go see the film right like of course i've seen her in film yeah and i knew what blue jasmine was and I, you know right but i wasn't going to see the film off the strength of Kate Blanchett alone. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, this new gay shit is out. Yeah. Right, let me go check it out. So that's what I did. And I was like, oh, it's like an art house film. Mm. I get to be in a quiet theater with the old people. Like, all right, let's go. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was the big reason why I went to go see the film. Hmm. Well, I mean, shout out to, you know, those like blogs, those websites. Yes. That were supporting the movie. Absolutely. 
already. That's really cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, their festival run, just really quickly, like they did their world premiere at Cannes and they got a 10-minute standing ovation. Mm. Yeah, and then it also screened at different film festivals like Telluride New York Film Festival and the BFI London Film Festival. In terms of their marketing... Not that great. It wasn't. Uh, You kind of hinted at this throughout, but they didn't expand to enough theaters. Mm -hmm. And um, also, they opened up the same weekend as a little movie called The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. So... (laughs) (laughs) That little film. Yeah, it's just a little movie with a little actress named Jennifer Lawrence. Um, Oh my gosh. Like we said, there were weird cuts of the trailers and I guess there was also controversy regarding the trailers because some of the gay scenes were shown in the trailers. Like some networks pulled the trailer from airing. That's crazy. (laughs) And some of the countries like Carol was banned. Oh, I could see that. Like they weren't able to get distribution rights. That makes sense. I mean, it's tough in Russia and in China. You know, we cannot sell this film there. I'm sure it will have underground and dangerous distribution. Notable promo included, they did the whole award circuit Mm -hmm. interview thing. Like Rooney Mara did Actors on Actors with Steve Carell. Kate Blanchett did Actors on Actors with Ian McKellen. They did a Hollywood roundtable where Angie's Kate was part of. Also, um... They did tons of panels. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of those panels. Yeah, yeah. Talking points. They talked about like how Carol was like a universal love story. And I think that was sort of like an attempt to position the film as not just for lesbians. Mm. That's the way I read them. Like whenever they would say like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a universal love story. Right, right. I think my fear was that this was somehow going to be seen as a film that would only interest women mm. and the response from men I found yeah. really heartwarming is that it's it has that universal quality not only because of an audience's sexual persuasion but also because of the gender also general observations too that I found from all of these like panels and interviews is like the awkward line of questioning where they're kind of like trying to project agendas onto the movie mm-hmm. even though like the actors and the people involved are trying to like virtue signal in any way like oh carol's an important movie because it's like about women and it's lesbians but it's like the journalists like we've been talking about they're projecting these questions onto them so like kate blanchett and rini mara were asked quite a bit like what's it like to play strong women uh the festival director claire stewart said this is the festival of strong women rooney and kate you're both strong women yourselves what does that mean? I was going to ask you, what do you think a strong woman means? I don't know. I'll ask you. What do you mean, what do you mean when you say strong? I'm quoting, I'm quoting Claire Stewart, the festival director Claire, of the London Film Festival. And Kate Blanchett would usually get a bit, not irritated, but you can tell she was over those kinds of questions. Yeah. I think it's a shorthand. It's like saying women are luminous. I don't really know what it means. Um, it's it's probably just a catch-all for I don't I don't know what's it a catch-all for driving the narrative. I mean I think it kind of goes to what you were saying earlier. How everyone asks that question, you know? Oh, there's you know these two incredible female parts in this, and you think it's changing? I think you know, that's what they mean by strong woman. It's just like because we had fully realized parts in the movie, it's somehow strong. Right. But really, it should just be normal. I'm meant to say yeah. thank, thank you. But because <laughs> do you know Kate Blanchett's 
career. Yeah. Like she's usually playing those kind of women. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Rooney Mara. Like what are we talking about right now? They're like trying to make this a moment because it's a movie featuring two women that it's like suddenly that inherently means like yeah, they're yeah. strong women. The problem is that it, it suggests an agenda yeah. that because this, these are less represented people, although they occupy over half the population, uh, that they have this sort of social agenda and that they have a responsibility to be strong and courageous in, their, in the roles that they pick. And I think what you see in the work of both of these actors and the choices that they've made in their careers is that they're interested in playing human beings who are full of universal you know, challenges, weakness, uh, exploitation, uh, that they're capable of abuse as characters as well as subjugation. So that, that the whole gamut is available to the, in, in many ways, and I, I'm in a tradition of directors that I greatly admire, feel that women's lives reflect even more range of experience because of the constraints that they often find themselves living under. And Todd Haynes noticed that Kate would get a little irritated too, which was kind of funny. When people say to Kate, sometimes in press conferences, I love how you play strong women. She kind of bristles. Yeah. Because there's something about, you know what? No, I'm not interested in playing strong women i'm interested, interested in playing, playing interesting, women. interesting women or conflicted women or right, right. Wi or people you know who are as you say uh nothing for whom nothing is easy and then also there were ooh, there were clunky questions about the lesbian aspect of the movie there was a journalist who said it feels like a heterosexual love story to which kate blanchett corrected and was like oh you mean it feels normal <laughs> I'm shocked by that statement. Yeah, yeah, that's a real. That was a real moment in the pa in a panel. Feels like a heterosexual love story. Interesting. Good morning. This is for Kate and Rooney. What I love so much about this film is the love story between the two of you, and it didn't feel like it was a, a homosexual love story. It felt very heterosexual, if I may. So, if you could talk about that, how it's it normal. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is the more fun bit when talking about the Carol press mm. tour is just, you know, the age gap jokes. Mm. Kate did not shy away from the fact that she was older than Rooney. Yeah. So like when people would say like, why did it take so long to make Carol? And then she'd be like, we were waiting for Rooney to be born. <laughs> like that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This project has a long gestation period. It really has been 15 years in the making from when Phyllis Nage wrote the first draft of the script the adaptation from Patricia Highsmith's novel, The Price of Salt. And then Elizabeth Carlson shepherded it over the last four or five years. We had to wait for Rooney to be born. We did. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Kate. I looked up to her since I was 13 years old and I saw Don't Elizabeth. Don't <laughs> an age difference in the film, but you know, we'll let the audience discover that. <laughs> Also love, like, Rooney Mara being in total awe of Kate Blanchett throughout this entire press run. Yeah. You said seeing her and Elizabeth when you were 13 was mm -hmm. sort of a, a pivotal moment for you. I mean, wasn't it a pivotal moment for anyone <laughs> who saw that film? Right. Well, I don't know. When you're 13, everything's... Seen. I haven't seen it in years and years. I'll have to revisit it. But yeah, I mean, I went with my mom to the local cinema right down the street. And she's like, talk about flung from space or whatever the <laughs> right. line is. I mean, that's how I felt seeing her in that film. And then what was she like as a 
as a co-star and collaborator and friend? She's everything I, you know, sometimes you sort of meet your heroes and it's a horrible, horrible letdown. It wasn't that at all. She lived up to everything I imagined she would. And then she was also so much more, you know, those first two weeks in the rehearsal room. She's really, um, I know this now, but I didn't know it before. She's really funny. She has that Australian sense of humor and mm -hmm. wit. And she's really, really quick and funny. And she's also, um, she's just also a regular down-to-earth woman, you know, like trying to find her glasses and can't find them. And she's just a normal, yeah, normal freak of nature <laughs> woman. <laughs> I don't know how Rooney Mara got through this entire process if she was just like so in awe of Kate Blanchett. Like if that was your favorite actress growing up as a kid and then you get to do a movie with her and a movie like this, yeah, I would shit my fucking pants. I'm gonna shit my pants that first day, but I'm like, we got a movie to make. <laughs> you know, the first scene that they filmed was actually um, one of the love scenes. That's intimidating. It was the love scene um, after they get caught. Oh, that's intimidating. And I think one of our first real scenes together was actually a scene when we're in bed together, not like the main oh, it was sex scene, but it yeah. was so it was like kind of, uh, there's no better way to break the ice than just to get yeah. right down to it. And that's kind of what we did. Yeah. I thought that Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara had really good chemistry, like Absolutely. throughout the press run too. Yes. Like they play off of each other really well. And so, you know, people talk about, you know, how was it to work with Rooney or, I don't know, maybe they ask you how it was to work with me, which is fabulous. Um, um, but, but, um, wasn't it Rooney? And they're asked about their chemistry quite a bit and they like play into that. Mm -hmm. I feel like chemistry isn't something you can really predict. It's kind of like just a freak thing that happens. It's like catching lightning in a bottle. You know, mm. It either happens or it doesn't like you can't create it it's mm -hmm. either just there or it's not i yeah. feel yeah so it was there for the two of you from the first it was day you really met. there i felt it you felt it still there to this moment <laughs> in the core it's sitting between it's us here's a barrier <laughs> so she's all please please stop please uh, sit between us i can't go i do love this um either you wear white and you wear black or you wear black white <laughs> Talk about get, chemistry. Did, did you plan did this? Plan it. Yeah. Really? We did not no. plan it. Okay. It's, it's, well, it works. <laughs> like, there's that panel where someone asks, like, Rudy and Kate about, like, social mores of the time mm. and your chemistry and da, da 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 And then, like, they both kind of pause and look at each other. And then Kate Blanchett's like, well, sweetheart. Like, <laughs> the Carol stands, like, eat that shit up. Oh, absolutely. Question for uh, Rudy and Kate. Uh, I enjoyed the wonderful screen uh, chemistry in the film between the two of you. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you developed the screen chemistry as actors uh, set in a period of oppressive social mores in America? Sweetheart. <laughs> 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 this is a specialty question. And in um, 2017, when Kate Blanchett went on the Ellen DeGeneres show, she was asked who was the co-star that was the most fun to kiss, and she said it was Rooney Mara. Period. So there's that. Which uh, co-star was the most fun to kiss? Ooh, Rooney Mara. <laughs> Yeah. And then the memes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there was an iconic Tumblr post that was made by someone by the username of the Coley. This is the Tumblr post. This person said, I really don't know what crowd I expected to be in the theater for Carol at 1.20 in the afternoon on a Friday, but it was probably 85% old people old head couples and halfway through the movie this old lady in front of me turned to the old dude next to her and just said Harold they're lesbians 
So, Angie, <laughs> my follow-up question for you is at what point do you think it clicked for this couple that Harold they're lesbians? So it's basically a you moment watching San Junipero where you're like, oh, this is where the story's going. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time I was like, yeah. duh, this is where the story's going. Yeah, like at what point do you think for them it was like, oh, Harold, they're lesbians? That is a great question. I mean, as a queer queer person. Worst case scenario would be like when Kate Blanchett started going down on Rudy Mara. That's when Harold, they're lesbians. I was lesbians. like, love seed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard because it's so obvious from the jump. Like, okay, this is what it is. Like, as soon as they look at each other, it's like, ooh, does she have a, oh, she's having a crush. Ooh, you know? Yeah. I'm going to say when Carol picks her up on like that first oh, really? date situation. I don't know if the elderly couple would pick up on that. What the, the camera? Eh. I don't know if they would pick up on that. What? For me, if I were to guess. Okay. I would say, mm. <laughs> honestly, like, I feel like maybe it would be when they when they actually kiss on New Year's Eve would be like Harold, they're lesbians. Oh, I forgot about that part. Oh, wait, no, that's the, um, whatchamacallit? That's the road trip. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's either they caught it on like that quote unquote first date type of thing. No, I think I could imagine an elderly heterosexual couple watching that restaurant little lunch scene and being like oh it's just two gals having lunch with each other that's crazy to me <laughs> yeah i can see that okay i could give that to you yeah 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 new year's new eve. year's eve kiss oh shit harold they're lesbians yeah <laughs> harold they're lesbians harold they're lesbians <laughs> oh my gosh yeah because that's the only other scene where they're like explicitly interacting they have to be explicitly like physical in some way in order for i would imagine the the old het couple to be like Ring! wait so when did in san junipero when did it become obvious to you when kelly put her hand on so what's her it has to be phys- a physical interaction has to happen yeah like, oh harold they're lesbians. Yeah, that was my Harold. They're lesbians. When Kelly did that, that's when I was like, "Oh wait, what the?" <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna start using that now. Like Harold, they're lesbians. Yeah, that's gonna be my new thing. Okay. <laughs> but okay. All right. I I could understand that. Yeah. So, for a lot of non queer people, it would take a physical interaction to be like, "Oh, bitch." That's not a friendship. Well, I think now I'm a lot better because now I just assume if I see two people of the same gender have like extended long glances at each other, I'm just like gay. Because listen, that's what it's going to take in the first round. We're going to be like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gonna have to take that. Yeah. Well, another, I guess another meme that kind of took off was, well, I don't know if this is necessarily a meme, but like there were some elderly people too that when they watched Carol, they thought that Therese got pregnant. Because you know, you know, like that scene where Therese runs into the field and vomits, I guess some people during their showing, some people were like gasping and being like, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. And it's like, that's not possible. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Um... And then there's also like the meme with like Catherine Hahn and Rachel Weiss. Have you seen that one with them at the Hollywood Roundtable? Uh, 
No. Okay, so someone edited a montage of Katherine Hahn just like looking adoringly and smiling at Rachel Weiss during a Hollywood Reporter roundtable, but they literally put the Carol score underneath it. Oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yes. You can find it on Twitter if you like search for it. But (laughs) that's another one. And then also like gay shaking. Have you seen that? that meme gay shaking no yeah so you know that scene where carol is at the divorce yes like custody hearing and she's like giving up rindy yes there's like a moment in that scene where she has her hand over her heart and she looks like really distressed and it's captioned gay shaking i'm (laughs) wait I, i i think i have it on my computer wait let me see if i can find it um gosh i have a meme folder here that i organized of course you do Okay, here, I'll send it to you. Okay, but... Okay, wait, so you can see what I'm talking about. I think I just saw it. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> why? Yeah, there's a lot of memes that have stemmed from, like, Carol. So those were just, like, a couple of them that I thought were worth mentioning. Have you heard of the short film about Carol stands called The Carol Support Group? No. You went on a deep dive. You guys, I like did a lot of research. So I and I actually watched this short, but the short is called Carol Support Group and it's a short film about Carol stands. So it like takes place sort of like an alcoholic anonymous meeting, but mm-hmm. instead of people being addicted to alcohol, they're addicted to Carol. That's funny. <laughs> and it's directed by a woman named Allison Tate. It premiered at the San Francisco International LGBTQ Film Festival and the poster tagline is some people are addicts forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really funny short. Oh if you're a huge Carol fan, you should watch it. I'm a strange girl. Flung out of space. An addict. And then the last bit I have here is have you ever like watched that Kate McKinnon and Kumail Nanjiani? sketch that they did at the film independent spirit awards no it's basically they like spoofed carol like they showed a like a skit of them during the award show and they're spoofing carol and it's specifically the scene in the restaurant when they have their first luncheon together and so they basically use rooney mara's coverage as therese but they had kate mckinnon acting as carol so what kind of name is bellevette Check. Check. What a coinkydink. Because I was trying to check you out at the checkout counter. Check, please. <laughs> oh, I'm just putting your food down right now. You already want to check? It is an expression, Kumail. It was part of the seduction. I mean, glove lunch. And Kumail Nanjiani plays this clueless waiter that doesn't realize he's working at a lesbian restaurant. I'm a freaking lesbian, okay? And she's about to be too if you would just get the hell out of here. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? What? It's the 1950s, you know? You're blowing my mind. This is not that kind of place. Kumail, it is that kind of place. You work in a lesbian restaurant. The place is called Leslie's for crying out loud. Look at your name tag. Oh, I thought it said Leslie's. And then at one point, like, Jane Lynch and Wanda Sykes are in the restaurant, too. It's really funny. Okay, I I got it. I'm saving it. I'm going to watch it. Hey, look, the Indian kid finally figured it out. Whose eggs do I got to poach to get a refill on my creamed spinach? 
I can't wait for the 50s to be over. You can't. Hey, Blondie, won't you come join us? Yeah, you got two sure things sitting right here. Three if you count by hand. Come on, Carol, give a dog a bone. I think, honestly, like, even after Carol ended, I think a large reason why it has such a huge impact is because of the internet culture surrounding it. Like, that's what oh, I absolutely. find really fun about Carol. Yeah, yeah. You know? Absolutely. So. And they were acting down. I feel like if this movie wasn't acted in the way that it was, it, it wouldn't have the same lore, you know? Mm-hmm. It'd just be another film. Completely agree. Let's go to the next segment, Tinseltown Showdown. This is a segment about anybody who may have potentially been up for any role in the movie or different directors. Yeah, yeah. So, Steffi, lay it on us. Okay, so Therese originally was supposed to be played by Mia Wasikowska, but then she had to drop out because of scheduling conflicts. Who's Mia Wa- Wait. She was um one of the kids in The Kids Are All Right. She also was, I believe, Alice in like those live action Alice in Wonderland movies with Johnny Depp. Yes. Okay. Interesting choice. I like Rooney better. Yeah. I feel like Rooney also just looks more appropriate to the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And she would have been younger. Yeah. Way younger. She also, like, Rooney Mara had more cachet. I, I agree. Yeah. To give it the little extra oomph. Yeah. I mean, she's coming right off of, like, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, like... Yeah, yeah. Social Network, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And then in terms of directors... And... Oh, wait, do you have someone? No, no, no. I was about to say, tell me about the directors, because oh, okay. I know... There it took a hot second. Yeah, because I mean, it took like fucking eighteen years right. to get this movie made. So <laughs> there were lots of names that were uh, thrown around. Um, I have here Stephen Frears, John Maybury, Kimberly Pierce, Kenneth Branagh. Mm. Um, I don't want to see a Kenneth Branagh version of this. Like when I think of Kenneth Branagh, I think of him as a more like traditional kind of director. Like I think Todd Haynes has more of an altruistic eye than Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh um, was Harry Potter, right? Yeah. The first one, though. Oh, wait. You mean in terms of directing? Yeah, wasn't wasn't he the director? No? No. No, no, no. He was in the in the movie, and it was the second movie. Um, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh yes, was... Okay. Uh, he directed Cinderella. Bet, bet. Okay. I know what we're doing now. I got it. Yeah. No, definitely more traditional. Yeah. So I'm happy we didn't get his version of Carol. Um, mm-hmm. Hetty McDonald, who I'm not familiar with. And then, interestingly, John Crowley, who ended up directing Brooklyn, yeah. which was the same year as Carol. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm happy that it went to Todd Haynes, though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think this movie is largely, is it is what it is because of Todd Haynes, so. For sure. Then, Todd, you came on. How did this come across your radar? It was actually Sandy Powell, the amazing costume designer, who first told, who was attached to the project when Kate was before they were looking for a director or trying to find a different director or whatever happened, which I don't even want to think about. Um, who else could do this? What's that? Who else could do this? Exactly. Um, but she said, I'm doing a frock film. With, she's always doing a pop Well, film. she wasn't. She'd been doing so many Scorsese movies back to back, right? And she did Wolf of Wall Street for, that was a long production. But she said, I'm working with Kate Blanchett in a 
Patricia Highsmith lesbian love story set in the early 50s. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) So the next segment is IMDb's best four known for, a.k.a. Shaka Khan. What H is the diagram based on planetary positions at the time of one's birth? Shaka Khan. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And this is a game where we each give each other the name of the diva that uh, we have picked. And we have to pick their, if you look up on INDB, the top four projects. Okay. So normally, (laughs) normally Steffi would go and then I would go and that'd be the end of the game. But of course, we're going to do something different because Steffi is obsessed with Kate Blanchett. Well, I... I can still do her best for known for though. Oh yeah, you are. You're you're, you're going to do it. Oh okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Angie said, "Don't don't back out now." <laughs> so, wait, should I go first? All right, I feel like I should go first. I'm gonna do Rooney Mara, and then you're gonna do a uh, Kate's best for known for, and then you guys, <laughs> Steffi is going to not only do the best for known for, she's gonna try to name. Every Kate Blanchett film from, hold on, from, because I had to pull this shit from 1990, or are we going to start with Parklands? Well, it's Kabori and then Parklands, right? Is that how it starts? Oh, excuse me. Okay, so yeah, we're going to start from 1990, (laughs) (laughs) going down. So, I'm going to go first. Now, you guys, this is going to be a hard one for me. I know I'm usually a nerd. But I am not a Rooney Mara nerd. I'm going to try and help you out here, okay? So just start naming movies. What do you think <laughs> is in her best four known for? Okay, I got four and a possible. Okay, go so ahead. So I feel like I, I may ha- I may have this. Of course, Carol. Yes. Boom. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yes. Boom. Yes. I'm going to go with Nightmare Alley. No. Mm. No. You didn't have to <laughs> <laughs> You didn't have to say it like that. <laughs> Angie, what are you doing? No. <laughs> okay, social media. The social network, you mean. <laughs> I mean, social net. <laughs> the social network, which is the yes, social media. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> okay. Carol, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, social network. Her. No. Did we say the other movie in this podcast already? I think... I did. Okay. No, no. I got this. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, um, You mentioned she had did that film. Well, oh, girl from Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. She was the other chick who did Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Yes, too. yes, 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 yes. Women something. Yeah, okay. Women talking. Women talks. There you go. Boom. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. Now I'm going to make myself look like a fucking idiot when I'm not able to get Kate's. <laughs> okay. Here we go. So, offer it. Okay. Carol. Yes. Okay. I was literally going to flip this fucking table if Carol was not. <laughs> and this table is nailed yeah. to the wall. Um, <laughs> Carol, is Tar in there? No. My God! Wow, IMDb reporting. I'm telling you, I cannot I feel believe like... they've updated. They've updated Rumi Mara's. <laughs> I looked at Viola Davis the other day. The Woman King is in there. Oh, no, no, we let need me to tell update you. that. Let me tell you, this is gonna be. There's some curveballs in this one. Okay, well, I'm going to guess 
because she was part of Lord of the Rings franchise, that there has to be a Lord of the Rings in there. Yes. I'm going to guess Fellowship of the Rings in there. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm going to literally fucking. I th- that was the curveball that I ten- thought you weren't going to get. Oh. 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 <laughs> Blue Jasmine. Of course. Yes. Oh, what is the fourth one? It should have been Tar. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, <clears throat> is there another Lord of the Rings in there? No. No. Is there a Hobbit in there? No. Oh, wow. Mm-mm. Is it the Aviator? No. God, okay, it's not the Aviator. Um, <laughs> Is it Thor Ragnarok? I thought, I forgot she was a main in that. No. Cinderella? No. I'm trying to think of like the bigger movies. Curious Case of Benjamin Button? No. <laughs> oh my God, are you fucking joking? Okay, Ocean's guess. 8. No. <laughs> okay, give me a hint. I feel like if I give you this hint, you're going to get it automatically. Hold on. Let me double check. Is it Talented Mr. Ripley? <laughs> Meredith Logue from <laughs> Talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> no, you're definitely going to give you. I can't even give you the year because you're going to get it. Okay. So how are you going to give me a hint? I don't. It's a name. <laughs> a name? That was a good hint. It's a name. Oh, it's Elizabeth. Yes. Because <laughs> if I said wow. 1998, you would have. Absolutely. They need to update that. I'm sorry. People now know her more for <laughs> Tar than Elizabeth. So Carol, Elizabeth, Blue Jasmine, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship. Okay. Yes. I would remove Elizabeth and put Tar in. Dang. But... Okay. All right, peoples. Oh, my God. I really might have just set myself up for failure just now. Yeah. And let me tell you, I didn't I didn't put this on Steffi. Steffi put this on herself. She was like, bitch, I'm about to say everything okay okay (laughs) all right so you're what you're gonna do is you're going to give me the year and you're gonna give me the character and i have to guess the movie right but yep and we're gonna try and do this in chronological order yep all right here we go okay Uh, you don't have notes on this on your computer right no 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 i don't i don't i don't (laughs) i swear i don't i don't all right i'm like it's in my glasses (laughs) Okay, here we go. 1990, American Cheerleader. This is Caboria, right? Mm-hmm. That's the yes. Egyptian movie. Okay, I technically did not watch that because I couldn't find it. But yes, next. <laughs> 96, Rosie. This is Parklands. 97, Susan McCarthy. Okay, now we're starting where I actually watched. Okay, this is Paradise Road. Okay. Oh my God, I'm going to be so bad at this. These- <laughs> I'm just going to be like, 97, this is the chunk. Can you skip any time she did like voice work? Yeah. Voice work and narrating documentaries. Skip that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Bet. Okay. All right. So um, the next two are in 97. The role of Lizzie. Oh, this is Thank God He Met Lizzie. Okay. That was a hard one for me to find. The last one in 97, Lucinda. Oscar and Lucinda. 1998, Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth, I think if we run into that, you should just say titular character. Just okay. say titular character. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like main bitch, and then you got. Okay, I got, it. I got you. These are the 1999 films: Lady Gertrude, uh, an ideal husband. Okay, again, 99, Julianne. Julianne, wait. Oh, oh my God, wait. Is this, is this bangers? 
Yes, it is. <laughs> I thought I got you. I was like, that's the short by her by her husband. It's it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> Connie, Connie, Connie Falzone. Connie Falzone. Um, that's um pushing tin. Okay, and then Meredith. Meredith Logue. <laughs> that's a talented <laughs> Mr. Ripley. <laughs> All right, now we're getting into the two thousands. Okay, Annabelle Annie Wilson. Um, 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 this is The Gift. Okay. Lola. This is The Man Who Cried. Okay. We're getting into the 2001 era. Pito? <laughs> who? Oh, P- oh my P- God. Pito! <laughs> Y'all, that's embarrassing. She was like making it all like ethnic Pitao. Because I saw the the last name, but I was like, um, maybe this is different. Petal. Yeah, Petal Coil. That's the shipping news. Charlotte. Oh, God. Oh, Charlotte Gray. Yeah, you just gave me that one. I did. Yeah. I did. It's okay. Kate Wheeler. Bandits. Yes. This goes into 2001, 2002. This is uh, Lord of the Rings. Yes. Lord of the Rings. Fellowship, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Yes, 2002, uh, Philippa. Philippa? Philippa. Heaven. Yes. 2003, Main Bish. Is it P-Tow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, 2003. This is, is it Veronica Guerin? Yep. Magda, uh, Magdalena, Maggie. Oh, that's um The Missing. 2003, Galadriel. Yeah, Galadriel for Return of the King. 2004, Jane Winslet Richardson. Oh, that's the Life Aquatic of Steve. Mm-hmm. Steve, Steve Zissou. Catherine Hepburn. The Aviator. 2005, Tracy Hart. Little Fish. 2006, Susan Jones. Babel. Lena Brandt. Um, 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 oh my God. Um, the, the, the it's something, The Good German. Yes. The Good German. I don't like that movie. Sheba Hart. Oh, you're not young. Uh, that's Notes on a Scandal. 2007, Main Bitch. 2007, Main Bitch. Oh, Elizabeth the Golden Age. <laughs> so what you said, Main Bitch. <laughs> Main Bitch. Um, 2007, Jude Quinn. I'm not there. Okay. 2008, Arena. Arena Spalco. That's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ooh, look at you. I know. 2008, Daisy Fuller. Curious Case, Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm, 2010, Lady Marion. Oh, that's Robin Hood. Yes, 2011, Marissa Wiegler. Hannah. 2012, Galadriel. Oh, that's The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, or something like that, right? Yes, yes, that's it. Okay, okay. 2013, Main Bitch. Blue Jasmine. Gail Lang. Gail Lang. Oh, is this the turning? Yes. Woo! <laughs> Galadriel. That's uh the desolate Hobbit Desolation of Smog. That was my favorite one of the Hobbits. You said no voiceovers, right? No voice. Yeah, no. Is is would Ponyo be there at that point? Oh, we done. Or did you skip Ponyo, Ponyo already? But... Oh, we oh we passed Ponyo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, is this is this How to Train Your Dragon then? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Twenty fourteen. Okay. Claire Simone. Oh, um, um, the Monuments Men. Yes. Monuments Men. Ugh, 
horrible movie. Uh, Galadriel. The Hobbit. The it's like Battle of the Five Armies. Yes. Twenty fifteen. Nancy. Nancy. Oh wait, is this um? Okay, this is Knight of Cups. Yes. Lady Tremaine. Cinderella. Twenty fifteen. Main bitch. Carol. Mm-hmm. Mary Mapes. Truth. Yes. Um. And then it's Manifesto. Oh, but okay. Yep. Uh, 2017, um, Mother. Oh, Red. Yes. That one's really fucking weird. I don't, I don't even know what that was. <laughs> Amanda. There's something with like scissors. Amanda. Oh, this is Song to Song. Gila. Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Lou. 2018. Ocean's Eight. Yes. We're in 2018, Florence Zimmerman. Oh, the house with the clock on its walls. Yes. 2019, Bernadette Fox. Where'd you go, Bernadette? <laughs> I literally read the name and then I read the title and I was just like, yeah. oh, there it is. <laughs> um, Brie, Ivanti. That's, is that Don't Look Up? Yes. Uh, 2021, okay. Dr. Lilith Ritter. Oh, Nightmare Alley. 2022, Main Bitch. Tar. 2023 sister eileen oh the new boy 2024 possibly oh my god Lilith. borderlands yes i hate that <laughs> wow i did it you did, I did it angie <laughs> you did i did it now you're like now you do angela bass and me um uh. <laughs> i'm like now you do kate winslet <laughs> i would fail so hard no <laughs> i would fail Absolutely. I think you probably remember more than you're giving yourself credit for. Mm, I don't know about that. Well, it's nice to know that all of my Kate viewing like led up to something. <laughs> and it was this moment this, right this here. This moment right here. <laughs> Being able to show that I did indeed watch every single Kate movie. <laughs> no way. I want to see the receipts. This next segment is called show me the receipts this is steffi's best segment favorite segment because this is this is where she shines so steffi show the receipts okay so carol was made on a budget of 11.8 million dollars which is not a lot nothing that's nothing it domestically made 12.7 million but outside the u.s it made 30.1 million so it made a total of 42.8 million mm. but that's really not that much money yeah yeah it was the best opening for a todd haynes film Period. um during its opening weekend it made two hundred fifty three thousand five hundred ten dollars um it had a limited run at four theaters two in new york two in la and then in terms of ratings rotten tomatoes tomato meter it is at a 94 percent audience score 75 percent what the fuck is that i don't know Wow. That's called, um, they don't have good taste. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, the letterbox average is four. With Metacritic, this was, Carol was actually the best reviewed film of 2015. Mm. On IndieWire's best of the 2010s films, it was named the seventh best film of the decade. Kate Blanchett came in as the second best acting performance of the decade mm -hmm. the opening scene is the sixth best scene of the decade mm -hmm. and the score is the second best film score of the decade 
of the decade. Yeah. All of that according to IndieWire. That's a big statement. Ooh. I know. If only the IndieWire voting body of the 2010s was the voting body of the Academy. <laughs> okay, so in terms of like the critics, the New York Film Critics Circle really loved Carol. Mm-hmm. They did really well. They won all four categories that they were nominated for. So they won for Best Film, Best Director Todd Haynes, Best Screenplay Phyllis Nage, and Best Cinematography Ed Lackman. Um, in terms of awards, at the Cannes Film Festival, they won the Queer Palm. Mm. They were also up for the Palme d'Or, but controversially, Xavier Dolan, who was on the judging panel that year, didn't want Carol to win. So that's why Carol did not win. What? For real? Yeah, I'm reading here. The famously outspoken and ultra annoying Xavier Dolan was, shall we say, not the most well-liked juror in Cannes history. Dolan got on some of his fellow jurors' nerves as he lobbied feverishly and perhaps rudely for his favorites and subsequently vetoed what was going to be a near-unanimous palm win for Todd Haynes' masterful carol. At the jury press conference that followed the award ceremony, Dolan said, I somehow feel like a better person. Sitting nearby jury co-president Ethan Cohen mumbled, you're not. (laughs) The result was a questionable Palme d'Or winner that year, Jacques Audiard's Dupont. But yeah, Carol was supposed to win the top prize at Cannes that year, but Xavier Dolan said no. He said, you're not. That's that's right. Oh, that's right. You're not. <laughs> In terms of the Golden Globes, Carol had the most nominations that year. It lost all five. Um, this is crazy. They were nominated for Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Director Todd Haynes, Best Actress for both Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, and then Best Score for Carter Burwell. But they lost all five. At the Independent Spirit Awards, they were nominated for six categories. Uh, best Feature, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and then Best Female Leads with Blanchett and Mara. They won for Best Cinematography, Ed Lackman. Mm. At the SAG, uh, Kate and Rooney were both nominated. Kate and Lead, Rooney and Supporting. And then Academy Awards, they were nominated for six and they lost all six Best Actress, Kate Blanchett. Best Supporting, Rooney Mara. Best Adapted Screenplay, Phyllis Nage. Best Cinematography, Ed Lackman. Best Original Score, Carter Burwell. And Best Costume Design, Sandy Powell. No nomination for Todd Haynes in the Best Directing category, and it didn't get in for Best Picture. So That's crazy. I know. Mm. Well, <laughs> a stain for the Oscars. When it came to Carol. I know, truly. <laughs> truly. So the next segment is impact and closing thoughts. Steffi, go for it. What is what is the impact of this film? Oh my gosh. I just feel like genuinely like Carol is like one of the best movies of all time. That's it. Mic drop. I don't think it's like even limited to the fact that it's like a love story or it's a queer story Mm -hmm. or a lesbian love story like I just like genuinely mean it's a phenomenal Mm -hmm. film like the story is pretty straightforward yeah yeah when you think about Carol and it's rather simple absolutely there's no like plot twists or like convoluted plot points to follow but I think not every great story needs to reinvent the wheel what makes a great story is not just what is told but how it's told and I think Carol is a great example of that. And it's just it's just so meticulously well-crafted. And I would say put respect on Todd Haynes' name. 
I think he's one of the best working directors right now. And it genuinely breaks my heart that he didn't get an Oscar nomination for this because I think out of all of his movies, and I'm even including May December, like I think Carol is his like most accessible mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Like I think this would have been his best chance at getting in for best director. Mm-hmm. Like now at this point, I'm like, if Todd Haynes wasn't able to get in for best director with Carol, I don't know if he ever will. Mm. And that's really sad yeah, because he's so good. But yeah. Well, what about you? Uh, you kind of took the words out of my mouth my mouth but uh yes i'm gonna kind of repeat what you just said uh carol is one of the best films out there yeah for sure easily score phenomenal yeah cinematography phenomenal the picturesque moments within the film phenomenal 10 out of 10 10s across the board i feel like if you want to see the acting power of kate blanchett rooney mara this is the film you should go to. Yeah. And just like you said, this film is very accessible. I feel like it's very accessible for queer topics, uh, a queer subject film. I feel like it's um, very accessible if you're trying to teach about stunning cinematography, stunning scores, yeah, stunning performances, stunning color theories, stunning you know whatever everything about this film is stunning yeah right uh screenplay costuming everything so um this is definitely one of those films that uh if you're in film school you should learn about this film totally totally i completely agree and i think like even though carol getting snubbed for best picture and todd haynes not making it in for best director at the oscars is like part of its narrative and it mm-hmm. sucks like i think that adds fuel to the fierce love yeah. behind carol yeah and if anything like them being snubbed it speaks to like the state of the oscars and the academy at that time absolutely so it's kind of unfortunately tied to oscar history in that way yeah and um you know you can make the argument that it's a career best for Todd Haynes and Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, like you can make the argument that this is their best film. Right. And it's just personally one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I literally off the strength of Carol was like, I'm going to watch every single Kate Blanchett movie. <laughs> As you should. And that's exactly what I fucking did. Hey, you did that. <laughs> As proven in this episode, that's exactly what I did. And she was my first actress deep dive I ever did. Same thing with Todd Haynes. I've mm. never watched every single film by a single director. So, yeah, this was my Blanchett and Haynes Awakening. Carol. Carol. Wow. And Rooney, thank you for being here. <laughs> I tell you, she just gave supporting actress just now. <laughs> No, I do want, I do, I I would be willing to do a, a Rooney deep dive. I don't know about that Nightmare on Elm. Oh, God. The fact that I would have to oh, sit through Nightmare that. Nightmare Alley? No, 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 no. Not Nightmare Alley. Actually, Kate Blanchett's oh, no. in that movie with her. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. No, I don't know if I. The scary movie. Oh, God. <laughs> no. <sighs> no. But I mean, if I must, I'd be willing to do a Rooney deep dive. You should do it. She doesn't have that many movies. No, not at all. Well, if the people want to talk to you on your social media, get on your social media so they can hit you up. I am at INN underscore MHO on Twitter slash X, Instagram, also on Letterboxd. 
Oh, yeah. At INN underscore MHO. And um, you can find me on YouTube in my humble opinion. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter slash X at Poetry Soul 3 and on Instagram at Angie.Simone. Uh, if you're interested in following us, you can find us on social media at Diva Daily's Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok. And if you want to talk to us via email or voice message, hit us up at Diva Daily's Pod at Gmail. Dot com. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Emphasis on subscribe. And if you leave a review, like always, or reach out to us, we will read your message on the pod or play it if you send a voice message. I want to thank you guys. If you got to the end of this episode, <laughs> thank you guys. I, I don't even know how I'm going to edit this. Listen. I don't know if it should be divided into two parts. You guys, we've been talking for four hours and we're at the 415 mark. But if you're at the end of this journey, thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the whisper. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Yes. You guys, thank you for enabling me to talk about Carol. Y'all. <laughs> she had been waiting for this moment. Angie has literally been like, I want to get out of this Zoom right fucking now. Four hours. <laughs> four hours of carol oh my god what's better than four hours five <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well like i said if you guys made it to the end of this podcast we really do appreciate it we appreciate your support thank you for being along with us on this journey and um do you have anything else to say i don't know harold they're lesbians um <laughs> Thank you, Kate Blanchett, for getting off the floor with no hands. Like, holy shit, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Patricia, stand behind me. Todd Haynes, goat. Why are you so ridiculous, bro? <laughs> and on that note, and remember, Deepas. Wow. Mm-hmm. What an experience this was. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does. Mm-hmm.